2: This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast Brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts Um, You get a 10% discount with them If you listen to this show, use code TOTD10 at checkout Um, I'm Wayne Barton, joined as always by former Manchester United defender Paul Parker How are you doing Paul?
1: I'm fine, thank you very much Wayne
2: Good stuff, Um, nice to talk to you after a week off um, International week for us Unfortunately Paul, you're no longer... Um, playing for the national team, although we could probably do with you. Um, um, yeah, and we're also joined by the wonderful Paddy Barclay. Um, how are you doing, Paddy?
3: Very well indeed, thanks. You had, you're quite right about uh, Paul. Uh, having we we're speaking just after England's uh, defeat in uh, in Belgium, and yes, uh, once again Parker P was conspicuous by his absence.
2: <laughs> well, once again, the obituary for the last twenty-five years.
3: <laughs> Every time England lose, people say, "Well, if like Paul Parker been there, you know."
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, a couple of somber notes to talk about to, on the on this um, podcast to start off with. Um, first of all, we did talk about Nobby Styles as passing on the last episode, but he was laid to rest last week. And as per the COVID guidelines and the family's wishes, something a little bit more solemn to see the funeral procession pass Old Trafford with very few present. Um, Paddy, as I said, Paul and I spoke about Nobby on the last episode, but tell us your memories of one of English football's most distinctive characters.
3: Well, I didn't know him personally, although you know people uh, of of his era connected with Manchester United always gave updates on his condition and in the. Last few years, I'm afraid there was never one that wasn't gloomy. Um, it, even uh, three or four, or five years ago, his great friend and brother-in-law, John Giles, um, you know, spoke of Nobby with a wistful sort of look and a shake of the head and and and, and just sympathy, um, rather than the great friendship which they enjoyed for so long and which Nobby enjoyed with so many people around Manchester United. He was. He was very much the essence of Manchester United, you know, a Catholic boy from mm. Collihurst, from you know, old Manchester United, if, if, if you if you see what I mean. Um, and uh, of course, he was he was there at uh, the historic moment when the plane crashed in 1958. He was one of the young boys, uh, as was John Giles, uh, on uh, in the youth policy at that time, and uh, Nobby and. Uh, uh, and John Giles uh, were called in by, um, by the staff, Bill Inglis and, and so on, um, and broke the bad news. And, uh, as always with teenagers, you know, you're, you're not really equipped by experience to assimilate bad news, and you always think you, you don't quite realise how bad it is, mm. and uh, only with experiences that come, and, and they sort of nervously joked... Um, you know if a couple of the lads have broken their legs um, maybe we'll get a, a a lift up to the A team or you know the reserve team or, or, the, or the senior youth team yeah. uh, and it wasn't until uh, if, you know the hours as the hours went by that they as well as the rest of Manchester assimilated the news as a player it, 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 um, he was uh, well it's been well documented he although he gave the ball to players as he saw it who could play better and that was certainly the instructions that he was given by Murphy and Busby. Uh, but quite honestly, in nine teams out of ten, he could have been the better player that people gave the ball to, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, in other words, you could have had Remy Moses giving the ball to Nobby Styles to to pass and and spread the play and create. He was he was a definitely a good enough player. Um, the player as an attacking midfield player, which is what he started as sort of inside forward, or attacking wing half. Um, he became a centre half, or even though he was tiny, yeah, you know, don't, don't
1: have a go at that, Patrick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have your spring, but he was, uh, or quite your pace. But uh, uh, in every other way, uh, superb footballer. Dare I say it? Uh, you couldn't probably, Paul, have played. Attacking midfield as well as Nobby Stiles, and and because and he really was a superb player, and and as I say in any other team, he'd been one of the one of the stars rather than uh, uh, the cement that held the team together. And let's be honest about it, kicked a few. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it, you know it's well well known that he reduced Eusebio to tears, although. It's possible that you see him always crying because he's just lost the European Cup final. Uh, sorry, a World Cup semi-final, uh, rather than uh, uh, or was it a quarter final? I can't remember. Uh, rather than um, that, he just had his uh, shins addressed uh, by young Norbert. But uh, no, a wonderful character, a great bloke. As you know, everybody who met him said that. And really, the soul of Manchester, the soul of Manchester United, just. Uh, uh, just, uh, it, it just very very sad that his last few years were so distressing for him and for all around him and I, I'm sorry to have to say this but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that his torment is over
2: no, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's um, something that we can agree with, and that's the. Um, it was the overriding feeling whenever anybody inquired about Nobby over the last few years mm. that he was, the you know, he was suffering. So it was. It is good that we're now. I, I do think when people are ill like that, especially someone in the public eye. It, Brings a quicker refocusing of the of what they did and a celebration of what they did while they're still here, and I, I think that Nobby, if he wasn't aware of that or if he wasn't told of that, at least we did that. A lot, a lot of people did that and appreciate it in,
3: in the same way. A lot of people tried to do, uh, work very hard on that, yes, which is a good thing.
2: Yeah, in the same way that you know, a lot of people are doing the same for Sir Bobby at the moment, um, and it's yes. good. It's good that people are, are doing that. Um, but you know. It's, like we said, we talked about him last week and I always find one quote really funny, Nob, uh, Paddy, about Nobby is that mm-hmm. he, he said that um, Jimmy Murphy was the nuts and bolts of Manchester United but in the same way he was describing himself, wasn't he?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. Just one little side note, um, which goes back to uh, Munich in a way. Um, the, the late Harry Gregg um, uh, claims a lot of credit for, for Nobby's career um, he didn't actually put it this way, but he did tell me a story that um, one time... You, you know Matt had the habit, um, which a lot of managers do now, of, uh, of of bringing youngsters on the team bus to make them feel part of the, mm. the scene, and Matt was very much into that. And one day they were going to our game, and, uh, and Harry noticed uh, that the young boys were all at the back playing cards, and Harry noticed that... Um, that that Nobby was holding his cards right up to his face, um, and uh, he wasn't wearing glasses at that time, and uh, he thought, yeah, this guy's got a, an eyesight problem. So he went to him and he said, uh, you know, pulled him aside quietly, and he said, you know, you, and he said, no, no, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine, you know, just just that's just the way I hold my cards and all that. And Greg just kept going on and on and on at him. And um, uh, eventually, um, he confessed that he didn't like wearing glasses because when he was at school, he, being a wee lad, he was bullied a bit and called Specky and Four Eyes and all that, the kind of stuff. And um, so he, he would try as hard as possible to to use his eyes, sorry, to utilise his eyes without um, without specs. And Harry Gregg went to Busby and said uh, reported this and uh and busby took action and uh, eventually he got those famous contact lenses that were used to uh used to such an effect in the celebrations of the world cup triumph um, so you know uh, he got nobby got just a little bit of help a bit, a bit of tough love from harry Gregg. um and uh, uh, Matt ordered a visit to the psychiatrist, psychiatrist, <laughs> to the optician. <laughs> My goodness, that was not a Freudian slip. Um, uh, to the, <laughs> sorry, to the optician. And uh, Nobby got his uh, eyesight problems addressed and, um, and as I say, that the rest is history.
2: Yeah. Nobby, um, determined fellow that he was not quite the controversial character that George Best was <laughs> who the recommendation to, to see a, a shrink was um, applied in later um, thing. Um, a couple of other sombre notes before we get into the, the football um, which will traditionally start sombre anyway um, Albert Quicksall another Busby Babe in some respects because uh, he, he certainly would have been if um, without a need for the qualification of assigning. signing if Bert Wally had uh, had his way he was scouted on a beach in Blackpool um, But Quicksall said he'd already Agreed to sign for Sheffield Wednesday mm-hmm. He was Matt Busby's first signing After Munich, club record fee um, We talked about Alex Dawson a few weeks ago um, And he's another Of these players who did well to lead the line Through um, some very emotionally Charged years And um, I've said That basically every one of those goals That those players scored is basically Like a trophy because mm-hmm. um what they didn't get in trophy counts, they most certainly you know those appearances and goals uh, were worth the weight in gold. Um, also on that note, um, should note the passing of a player who had plenty of silverware: um, Ray Clemens, world class, legendary goalkeeper of Liverpool and Spurs, possibly even more impressive than the five league titles and. You- three European Cups, which I still believe is a record for an English goalkeeper, was the 61 England Caps. He managed to wrestle away from Peter Shilton (laughs) in in a golden era for for the position in that country. And and really, Clemens and Shilton were synonymous with... um, Establishing, by in, in just two yes. players, they established British goalkeeping as the best in the world for maybe 20 years, didn't they? So
3: that's, that's absolutely right, and uh, no doubt for uh, the best red reasons, you haven't mentioned that even the third best goalkeeper in England at that time, Joe Corrigan uh, <laughs> uh, of this parish, um, uh, you know, that's another example. I mean, Corrigan could have had 50, 60 mm. caps, you know, in a less uh, gilded era but Mm. as you rightly say 61 caps for Clemens in the era of Shilton is phenomenal
2: absolutely and so um, tremendously sad that um, another legend of the game passed Uh, away as
3: as Superman as well I did have the privilege of knowing um, Ray Clemens and the most genial friendly um, cheerful character you could ever meet
2: yeah Um, right let's talk about the um, the modern football um, which as everyone says modern football is rubbish and it It bloody was in Turkey, Paul Um, (laughs) Istanbul, a a result that United might get away with actually But um, a goal conceded that some players might not Um, That first goal um, up there with the worst And we've we've talked a lot in this sort of two years that you and I have been (coughs) doing this podcast (laughs) About new standards for the worst thing that we've seen at United And it's not exaggeration because you look at a goal like the first one that we conceded in Turkey I don't th- and we have talked about some base level bad goals, but that is up there, isn't it? That was really bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was, that was shocking. I think someone used the words about, eight, you wouldn't see eight-year-old football. Well, I don't, <laughs> think would, I don't think you'd actually see that at any level, first, second, division, National League, pub football, because the one thing that those players would go and play that because first and foremost, we know they play their heart, definitely, in those divisions. You have to, otherwise you don't survive. But the one thing they do is they communicate with each other, mm. and their organisation skills are absolutely different, different class at that level for what they have to do to succeed or to survive. And now, and someone would have said, I think, it was a, I think I said this before, it was a second, third phase of play from a, an attacking corner. Yeah. Why doesn't one of the players, why doesn't, let's say, the captain realise the situation, realise what time in the game it was and say himself say, I'm going to get back because I think I need to defend or turn around and say to Two and Zabe, get back. Why both of them need to be in that box? Mm. I don't understand and as I've said before, I think I was, I'm so disappointed about Two and Zabe becoming the scapegoat and having to come off. Yeah. I just, I really it did seem that me. way
2: didn't it Paul it did definitely seem like he was yeah. the one being held accountable for it
1: yeah it was. A, it worries a young player yeah it worries me with young players and I'll use this phrase again is that I Sir um, the boss came up to me, and when I thought myself, right, I'm ready now to get, get involved, I'm ready, I've done enough. The boss said to me, I can't leave out Gary Neville, Paul. He goes, the way he's been playing and the way things are going, if I take him out now, it could affect his confidence as being a young player. Mm. I wasn't happy at the time, but as you go on, you understand it, and you look at what the club's been about, and you realise it was about the football club, not about Paul Parker. And I look at that, and I think to myself, that that's that wasn't good for him considering how well he'd done in the game against PSG mm. and then he's brought back in for that game after again a big gap in between which should never have been allowed to happen I know I've gone off track but it's worried me because his next game he plays in is so important because him coming off the back of being seen like he's been given the blame for them going 1-0 down
2: mm. Paddy, what do you think of that? I mean, you, you've Lived through an era, and we've both recounted that era of Manchester United being relegated. So, you would presume that defensively they weren't very good um, in in those troubled years when when they were in in the middle of transition. But you see a goal like they conceded in that first one that they conceded in Turkey, where where nobody was in our entire off, and you got Matic chasing Denver Bar in some kind of Benny Hill sketch. (laughs) I
3: know, there's there's no excuse this time. I mean, you know if you go back to yes the Busby era the relegation yes I mean the, the, there were much greater problems there than there are now but <clears throat> what the, the worry now is that the age structure and it's it, uh, by the way I, I use the word worry in a in a Manchester United i.e. we've got to be the best team in the world yeah. context. Um context most sports and most clubs wouldn't think Manchester United are in a crisis but um well, sorry, wouldn't think their team was in a crisis if they were playing like Manchester United yeah. but the age structure of the team is fantastic um, it, it doesn't really need on, on the face of it you don't need many changes who's, who's too old to play in that team the only player that might be over the hill and, and it's probably just because he needs a, do, a change of club is the goalkeeper but yeah. I mean everybody else is, should be at their prime but I don't think uh, uh, I don't think Pogbo's going to have a prime, and uh, and, and that the, my worry is that, that apart from Bruno Fernandes, that that nobody's really uh, playing consistently well, uh, I, and yet the performance at Everton was, if if you looked at Everton in in isolation, you'd say this team's title contenders. If you looked at the Istanbul game in isolation you'd say is this team from England or Luxembourg <laughs> yeah <laughs> no yeah you know and, and yeah. this is the same team and that is the worry because I I, I was shocked by the uh, performance at Everton Sh- I have shocked in a, in a good way from United point of view I fancied Everton like hell for that game they'd had two defeats and you thought well that team that good shouldn't lose three games in a row with a manager like Ancelotti yeah. and h- home advantage in as much as that matters um, and United go out. Uh, I think did Everton score first? I yeah, think they did. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, Everton score first, and United go out and beat them heavily. I mean, convincingly, uh, with a tremendous performance. Now, Solshar in recent games. I, I'm not a great uh, believer in the body language and the, you know trying to be an amateur psychologist, but the last few games, I've looked at Solskjaer on the bench, particularly Istanbul. And he looks I was gonna say vacant, but I would say he looks I think a better word would be empty. In other words, this team has emptied him of all hope and optimism. And yet they come out and produce a performance like that. He very interesting what he says afterwards, he's ranting and raving about the games to if it had been a three o'clock kick off or yes. something instead of twelve thirty, you know, absolute you know, cobblers. Turkey Oh, we had to come back from Turkey. Oh, what a shame. Uh, People would love to be coming back from Turkey. They'd love to be going there for the holidays, you know? I mean, for goodness sake, it's Turkey, it's not Australia. Um, uh, But that was because he couldn't say what he really... And again, I'm being an amateur psychologist. What he really wanted to say was, and I'll, I'll say it without swearing, if these people can come out with a performance like that why do they come out with a performance like we got last time yeah why why don't they try they're paid enough why don't they try every week they're driving me mad they're killing me that's what I think was really on his mind, other than all that you know you know special pleading about uh, the world's out to get you know the t v authorities are out to get them and all that kind of stuff
2: no yeah I think you're absolutely right And yeah. <laughs> You don't want to make the comparisons, but it was classic Ferguson deflection. It was Ferguson, yeah.
3: absolutely. That was good. I, I must say, I think any Manchester United fan would would love uh, would have loved that because it would have reminded them of, of Ferguson. And I th- I do think that that has got a bit of that, but he's not.
1: He's,
3: he's not got the nasty side, you know. He's not got the power yet. Um, uh, Ferguson would not be putting up with this from. <laughs> I was going to say the board but I don't know if United have a board I think they've just got Ed Woodward and a, and a manager yeah. from, the, from the looks of it and a magic but wand um, Ferguson would be dominating everybody at the club now and, and, and Ole probably doesn't feel that he's earned the right to do that
2: Yeah, Interesting one Paul, the, the game at Everton because obviously you were looking at United to come out with a response and maybe we've seen Two or three times already in Solskjaer's reign, that he looked like he was on the brink, and I would say that we were probably there again. Like with me thinking, well, if we lose here, if we lose heavily, then on Monday show we're probably not going to be talking about Oli as manager anymore. Um, but he pulled it out of the bag, and as he as we've discussed before, it seemed like he did that by. Picking the team to win the game And not just the players to fit the system um, And that's something that we have talked about before Do you think that the pennies drop with Oli that That's the way that he's got to do things Moving forward
1: it might, it might be the way to move forward But it's the wrong way It doesn't win your leagues mm-hmm. Continuity wins your leagues without a shadow of a doubt having players around who you know are going to be there week in week out and if he's having to play around all the time and rely on certain players to try and get him over the line those if they're not going to, they're not going to win you a league so what what are you talking about you're talking that he believes that he, he, he knows he can get hundred percent from Fred and from Matomeomey great. They're gonna win you the odd games, but they're not gonna win your leagues if you play them no. consistently. That is the that is the biggest problem. And just going back, you know, what Paddy was kind of, you know, alluded to, what Ollie really wanted to say. What Oli what you just said there, Paddy, is something that managers in today's football can't say because That's the right. players can't deal with it anymore. They won't deal with it. They will, they do not want anything that they see is putting them in a bad light. That's and so And that's the biggest problem, while of my era and prior to my era, and maybe just after my era, you know, those players, the Gary Nevels and all them, if Sir Alex had come out, and if he'd come out publicly and said something about us in a previous game, Mm. um, compared to, you know, and I'm sure he did along those lines of when we got knocked out of the Champions League at Galatasaray, the following weekend, we played Man City away at Main Road. We're 2-0 down at half-time. He goes absolutely mad at half half-time, Walks out, leaves it all to Kiddo. <laughs> leaves it all to Kiddo. Yeah. He's just like, get on with it. You, you sort it out. And then oh yeah, and as he, <laughs> this has led me to saying else. Just reminded me as he's walking out, a certain gentleman was walking past the dressing room. He throws him in there and says, you sort them out. You tell him what to do. They're a crap. Virtually saying a crap. That gentleman who he threw into the dressing room was Warren Clark. Warren Clark virtually uses sort of the word, sort of uses the words kind of. I don't give an effing <laughs> whatever because I'm I'm a blue. I'm happy, and and that's and that's what happened. And that's that's gospel. That's what happened. Warren Clark come into that dressing room at half time. He was just walking past the other dressing room door, not the one, you know. Any anyway, but we go out second half and we're you know we we, we scored three goals. We win the game but I'm sure that he would have, wanted, he would have said something afterwards, but we, we wouldn't sulk about it. We'd want to shove it straight back down his throat again and prove a point.
3: Yeah, that, but, that's yeah. fair enough, but there is a difference, Paul, isn't there, in, um, in what you say uh, privately, what you say publicly. See, even Ferguson, probably, you know, there was a famous incident where he lambasted Aberdeen after they'd won a cup final, he lambasted these players for not entertaining the, the, the crowd, and he apologized for that later and, 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 and I don't think he did it too often. even Ferguson, somebody with, his, with you know phenomenal cred, um, couldn't get away with battering them in public week no. after week after week. Um, uh, 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 and certainly Solskjaer can't get away with it really at all because I mean these guys are on. Long contracts are fantastic. You know, it, it costs 20, 30 million, to, to even the, some of the bad ones, to buy them out of their contracts and throw them on the scrap heap where they, some of them deserve to be. And um, it, it's, it, it is a much more, a much more difficult... Quite, that, quite apart from the psychological side of it that, that young men don't like to be... You know, they're a bit... Um, uh, pampered, pampered, and, yeah. uh, and flabby uh, mentally um, these days. It, were, yeah, it is, were, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's me as a parent. It's pe- people we me My parents. It's what we, we, It's the way that brought our, bringing our kids up now compared it, it, to what it was before.
3: Well, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly true, Paul. And i and I'll probably sound like an old fogey saying it, but but you don't. And and the, the, it, it is true that um, in the old well. say 40, 30 years ago, um, let's say 30 years ago, um, to find a footballer who was flabby mentally would be unusual because they were burnished in the heat of competition. Their characters had to be hard and uh, tempered like steel, you know, for them to get even a game for a a team in the league too. You really Mm. had to be hard to get through because everybody else wanted everybody wanted to be a footballer now you can't find uh, the the majority of them are quite flabby mentally uh uh, over 50 percent of footballers i would say you have to cuddle them because if you don't cuddle them their agents will
1: yeah correct
2: talking about um flabby mentalities um, I just want to read a quote from. You might think that this is great because it sounds like unity. Paul Pogba's quotes from the weekend. We are very happy to come here. It's not the same as with the club. We all group together. It is magical. Unfortunately, he's talking about the French national team and not <laughs> Manchester United. Um, Paddy, talk to me about this one. You, you are yeah. you, you
3: obviously. Well, I, I, I consider. I mean, I, I believe he's a nice fella and all that. But um, he, he, he just, it, it just doesn't seem to be... I, I honestly think Man United should have sold them two, three years ago. I think mm. they brought upon themselves the most terrible problems. Um, yeah. And I can't understand why Woodward... I would really love to know why Woodward is so wedded to him. Mm. I mean, I just can't understand it does anybody go out and buy shirts with Pogba on the back? I don't, I mean it's not Lionel Messi there's yeah. no, it's not even um, uh, Park you know, who, who who sold shirts all over yeah. uh, Korea you know, th- there is no reason and listen, I'm, I'm not having to go at Park Park is the opposite probably of Pogba in terms of uh, team uh, oriented uh, uh, ability but um, I'm not comparing them like with like, but I'm not saying, I just can't understand what the attraction in Pogba is. Fantastic ability. If you wanted a performing seal
1: uh,
3: <laughs> for the circus, I would uh, I, I would choose it ahead of just about any other footballer in the world. But to play alongside me, he must drive them bloody mad. And what's more, he gives the ball away in the wrong situations. He's constantly turning the wrong way. I've never seen a player turn the wrong way so often, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about bad players, let alone players of sublime talent and physique like Pogba. Yeah. just—it just has this. It's almost like an anti-footballing brain. But
2: that, do you know the other thing with that is that. I- those kind of things United have, United supporters have sort of grown to tolerate because you want to see him come good. That's the idea. Patience that the players are going to turn it around.
3: Football's not a beauty contest.
2: No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and then the point is that that's, that'd be all right if he was dedicated to the cause. But now I want to put something into context here. Because he's out talking about his future. You know, I've got no doubt in the next couple of days someone's going to say he's come out of context. He didn't mean it like that. But come on. Dennis Lowe, Brian Robson, Roy Keane, all of those players, they all flirted with transfer speculation at some point before the club called time on them. But Law earned the right to feel as though he should be a top earner. So too did Robson, so too did Roy Keane. Now, I don't know if... And we were talking about Pogba's ratio of good games. He's played 170 since he returned. I don't think he's had 10, 17, 10% good games no. since he's been back at the club. And I think... Hull, we're getting to the point where you can see that United are more fluid and less ponderous without him in the team. And I get your point, what you're saying about not being able to challenge for a title with McTominay and, and Fred. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm talking about emergency um, band-aiding for game to game moving forward. I'm completely with you on you need a consistent eleven and all that kind of thing. I'm just saying horses for courses. This squad that ollie has got, he needs to be sort of shifting it up every single game. And as we've seen, even last season or the season before, Paul Pogba doesn't contribute to the best Manchester United team that we've got.
1: Well, I mean, I think what's what's happening now is that to get even more from his players, he's, he's had to make a big decision and that was to leave him out. And that's mostly other players, it makes them think. You know, he's a big name and it makes them think about, all oh, blimey, okay. And you leave out Paul Pogba, that, that, that makes a statement. And then what you find is, though, Manchester United shift the ball quicker. The most successful sides shift the ball quicker in midfield. United are seriously ponderous, starting from the back. They're ponderous to get it to midfield. So what you need to do, you might, you know, Fernandes when he That's gets... That's why
3: Fernandes has, has improved the team so much.
1: Yeah. yeah because he goes and gets the ball from them because he because they're not good enough with it to move it forward quick enough or confident enough he virtually goes and demands it from them it moves quicker when you get matage in there as well Matage in that gap with Gets the ball from him and he's the one who can find Fernandes. That works, without a doubt. I think Van der Beek, I think somewhere, I think he's gonna have to now fit him in. He's gone and scored again for his country. Mm. I think he needs to play him because he could lose him mentally if he doesn't do it. Because the lad, you know, the lad has hasn't just come from a Dutch team. He's come he's come away from Ajax where he was a regular. Mm. And it doesn't matter what anybody ever says about Ajax, as far as I'm concerned, Ajax are one of the biggest named teams in the world. Mm-hmm. Who's, who have yes. had incredible footballers from all different eras.
3: Well, their players, you know, regularly go to Real Madrid, Barcelona and become world-beaters. Yeah. I mean, Louis, Luis Suarez went to Liverpool and became a world-beater. I mean, uh, the, the, if you've been through Ajax, the Ajax system, you, you should be in the first team at Manchester United. You shouldn't be being bought for the bench. Yeah. No, yes, correct.
2: Is. The the thing as well. You, you mentioned Van der Beek there, and and Paul Pogba. The argument for Paul for so many years has been, oh, how do you construct the midfield to get the best out of Paul Pogba? It's like you've both said there. It's becoming. It seems like it's becoming the the bigger point that putting Paul Pogba in makes Fernandez play worse.
1: Yeah, I've I've changed. I've I've had to change. I'm willing to put my hand up now. It must be must be an age thing, but. You know, it isn't going to happen for him now. It isn't going to happen for Paul Pogba at Manchester United. And when you, I've tried so many times to believe that you get him at the top, say the top of a diamond, more mm. so he only affects the people, the front players. Don't let him get on the ball in midfield where he could lose it and could get counter attack. Just keep him in that final third where his quick feet can make things happen. I think to myself yeah. he's becoming a liability. He has become a liability. And when you look at him, and Paddy, you said it all there, really. Yeah. When 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 he come to Manchester. United, I looked at it and I just saw it. Shirt sales and it mostly went quite well. But the problem is, I don't think there'd be many people buying Pogba shirts in France. No, no, definitely. and oh. and and definitely and definitely not in Asia, which has got the biggest market in the world. So on that side of it, no. So the value in him. Yeah. It's zilch really? Because you've got almost nothing on a marketing side, and as a football point of view, you're getting nothing back in return. In no, fact, he, no. in fact, he's owing. He's actually owing. He's in he debt. Is
3: Owen. He is owing. I think he is. Um, it, it struck me watching a couple of his games recently that he's, he's he's probably quite near the top of the Premier League table for assists, but they're not assists for Man United. They're mm. assists for the opposition <laughs> because when he gives. When he gives the ball away, it, you know, there's, there's all lots of sayings, and, 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 and Paul, you must have been told by coaches, you know, you, you must have heard coaches telling the teams that you were playing for give the ball away, but give it away in the final third, because that's not going to hurt us. Well, that's only true if the rest of the team is prepared for the counter attack. Even giving the ball away in their, in your final, in their, the opposition's last third. Is dangerous now. If like Paul Bogba, you don't chase back, what he does, he does. Have you noticed this? He does this stupid little trot, you know. He (laughs) he runs about two or three yards, which is not fooling anybody, and then does a sort of little shuffle and and stops. It is just so much about him that is the complete opposite. The French went through this uh, process that Paul Parker has gone through, and which we've all gone through, I think. Uh, which is of saying, oh, yeah, but if you put him deep and use his long passing, which is brilliant, if, if, you know, can be brilliant, um, uh, then that would be the best way of using him, especially as he's strong and, and powerful and, and can win a tackle, if he bothers to use his tackling ability. But these are all the big ifs. And then you say, well, no, no, play him to the left like they did in uh, Juventus. Because yeah. Juventus. he likes being on the left because he can come in and whack it with his right foot and once you start (laughs) making special positions for players you know you're in trouble but yet Juventus got success from him playing in that role. France even during the World Cup it was quite funny watching them saying well he can't play there next game we'll try him somewhere else and then finally I think I may be wrong and Didier Deschamps would, would obviously say you know might say you're talking absolute rubbish well, I think what they did, it looked to me that what they'd done was say, look, we've got 10 players who stick to their disciplines, from Loris in goal to Giroud up front. We can afford to have him just, uh, as I used to say, of uh, uh, as, as Graham Taylor used to say about um, about uh, Paul Gascoigne, I, I just want you dropping hand grenades, running around the pitch, dropping hand grenades. And... And I think that was the way France sort of played 10-man football with Paul Pogba adorning things as and when he felt like it. Now, I don't think that's going to win the league for Man United. It did win the World Cup for France.
2: Well, he's dropping hand grenades in our own box because he's conceded three penalties so far this season.
3: Oh, pen! don't get me started on that penalty. I mean, for goodness sake... I mean, a silly tackle, Paul, you, oh no, God, I mean,
1: well,
3: you wouldn't have made that tackle. No, no, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have made that tackle when you were
1: two and a half years old. No, no, I mean, he was, he was going to the corner flag, I don't know why he'd done it, I mean, he's given away, he's given away a handball, a sloppy handball, I think it was against West Ham as well, and you think to yourself, that was just naive, and you look at him, and you want to have a go at him, but then you look at him, you kind of go, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to bother, because I don't think you're bothered. Yes. I don't think you're bothered. You're not going to hang your head in shame. You're going to carry on. You're mostly going to put on your Twitter account, sorry about that, let's go again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're kind of going, what, what, no, no. you don't bother? No, 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 Paul,
3: just go. Paul, Paul, Paul but I'm saying, no, don't go again. Just go for the first <laughs> time. That's all we're asking.
2: I'm laughing, but um, it's with a tragic undertone because, well, you know, I'm. You you are well I am as a United fan, I'm investing hope of it turning round and, and so we we do go again. West Brom, uh, Old Trafford and Paul, the cocktail and the ingredients are all there for one of football's greatest banana slips. West Brom haven't won all season. United haven't won at home all season. All the signs point to nil nil don't they?
1: Well, everything's going there for something negative anyway. I mean, there's been so many records broken since Sir Alex retired at Old Trafford. It's incredible how many teams have come and won at Old Trafford for the first time, isn't there? I think David Moyes had one with Swansea and things like that. There was a, quite a few in David Moyes' time. But this game...
2: Paul, Paul, it's funny you say that. West Brom were the first under Moyes. It was like the 5-3 in the 70s. So yeah. it was like 30-odd years that they hadn't won. And um, yeah, yeah. they were the first to do that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this one does look. I mean, I was at West. I went to um, Brighton, West Brom. I was seriously impressed with West Brom in the second half. They've really come back. Another five minutes, they would have beaten Brighton two-one. They absolutely battered them in the second half. Mm. But I think it's got to the point now where I look at West Brom. I mean, they've only got a single point. Is that correct? Is yes. that correct? They've only got yes, a single. It's the same
3: story against Fulham, uh, yeah. Paul. That that they. Um, my advice to Man United would be. Try and get a few goals, and uh, get your goals nice and early because West Ham or, uh, West Brom uh, don't give up. They're still playing, you know, yeah. at, at the
1: end of the game. I, I think this. I mean, when you've got someone like Billage as your manager, I think he's one of those managers who you want to play for. he's one of those ones he. You, you see him, and despite what you can see, how emotional he is about the game and how it's draining him. I watched him first time I saw him on the touchline. I mean, I've met him. I've, I've met. I think I. Played against him when I was at Derby and was West. I played yeah. against him, been at Derby, but I watched him. And I remember seeing him as a manager during that Croatia game. During that mm. Croatia game, it was that game. That game. I'm going to say it, but it's one of those ones we remember. 2006. Yeah, and he was on that touchline. It was bucketing down and you could see me all those young great players and he was just out there didn't have to stand there could have sat back and got a brolly and had a cigar under a brolly not a cup of tea a cigar it would have been absolute it would have been absolutely he could have but he didn't because he still wants to play the game and you could see and that's and that's the kind of manager he is that's a rarity I think in today's in today's football I was like that with someone like Sir Bobby Robson you wanted to play and if you didn't you did something wrong or you didn't win you was kind of you you felt sorry but you felt it was, you let him down and he's got that village but I'm worried that because of what happened at the end of last season that he's on, he's on the brink now of maybe losing his job because he's not getting that win and as well, as well we're looking at the way football's is not good at the moment it's all wrong what's going on with no one in there and the atmosphere and the players are struggling you're not getting consistency as a team or individuals I think that they're going to turn and say well we've got to make a change even though a change isn't going to make a great deal of difference in this football climate, I don't think. No,
2: Paddy, um, West Brom, three points this season. One of those points came in that um, epic game they played against Chelsea, where they were 3-0 up and threw it away. But I'm not saying that you're going to see West Brom go 3-0 up at Old Trafford, but you wouldn't... I don't don't want to be too negative, but I'm, I'm talking about the unpredictability of the league. You wouldn't rule that out. No. really and that's it's difficult to sort of ascertain where you are with this league at the moment
3: Yes it is and I mean I just think that if Manchester United turn up they'll win um, if Manchester United play with the ability they showed against Everton with the commitment with the team spirit that they showed uh, at, uh, at Goodison um, I, I think of course that, that, that they should win but they will have to match West Brom for, mm. for all those attributes, uh, for 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 uh, for United's vastly superior firepower to prevail. If they do, I don't see any problems. I'm I'm less nervous than you are, for obvious reasons. Yeah, <laughs> it means it means more to you.
2: Oh yes, yeah, the, the the old um adage. It means more. But I mean that yeah. that is the thing. It's it is the basics. Um, a United um which you wouldn't think that difficult to implement but apparently they are but we've been saying that for six years seven years probably um but yeah that's the, that's the biggest question mark that we go into with um, the week's game uh, weekends games really um plus united all over like i said it's the last seven years and we're no long uh, no closer to sort of knowing where they are on the ladder of progression and than what we have been at any point in seven years, and we have Paul and I have spoken on this podcast about being all in and supporting him and giving him the time and seeing the sort of fruits of what he's trying to um, grow there. But at the same time, you do also see the same old problems, sort of handicapping the manager, and it becomes a race against time before the next sort of. Transfer window before Edward Wood gets his um, itchy trigger finger out, and (laughs) you know it's um, that perpetuating cycle. Um, But yeah, that's it for this week, guys. Um, Thanks to Paddy and for Paul uh, for their time. As always, Uh, remember if you want a discount with the. the Classic Football Shirts, is TOTD10 uh, with Classic Football Shirts. That's the website. It's an online discount. If you've enjoyed the show, give us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You will have to get reviewing um, if you want to be involved in future competition prizes, uh, giveaways for books and everything like that. I'm thinking of doing something for Christmas, but that's going to be um, open for people who've reviewed on Apple Podcasts, so make sure that you do that to be eligible. Um that's it. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week to talk about the the game against West Brom and the um, return game against Istanbul.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.